Hello, and welcome to The Fast and the Fictitious. This podcast series is produced and recorded by high school juniors and seniors producing a college literature credit from Suella Technical Community College in Lake Charles, Louisiana, during the fall 2023 semester. The course itself is live-streamed five days a week to seven different area high schools as one of Calcasieu Parish School Board's Virtual Instruction Program Dual Enrollment Courses. The idea behind this podcast is for students to have a discussion about big ideas or big issues. Each episode has an anchor text, a short story from a variety of authors, ranging from Ernest Hemingway to Kate Chopin to David Foster Wallace and everyone in between. Using the short story as a guide, each pair of students touch on a variety of topics. Sometimes they do a little critical analysis of the assigned text. Often they talk about larger social or personal issues. In each case, the discussion is open and honest. The hope is that these students will have thought deeply about the issues and topics and that the current and future listeners, whether students or not, will gain some insight into the anchor text as well as do a little self-examination of their own lives, thoughts, and feelings. In this episode, high school seniors Caitlin and Dalen discuss Ernest Hemingway's A Clean, Well-Lighted Place. They did have a few technical issues during this recording, but I think they recovered nicely. They discuss topics such as the conflict between generations, the dangers of becoming too comfortable with a routine, how we gain empathy for others, the nature of happiness, how the low points of life shine a new light on the high points, why we emotionally or socially shut down, whether an individual determines meaning or if meaning is derived from the external, social anxiety, the value of introspection, recognizing unhealthy patterns, writing as a coping mechanism, Hemingway's style, and the meaning of life. We hope you enjoy. Okay, so a clean, well-lighted place. Um, I was surprised for like uh, the 1933, how early the story was written, but how simplistic and easy it was to understand it. Um, this is the first Hemingway story I've ever read, and we know who loves Hemingway. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of back and forth that goes on, a lot of dialogue. Um, I think it was an interesting way to execute the story between the young waiter and the old waiter. Um, and it was kind of like one was impatient and one was kind of just more empathetic and more patient with the situation. So like one of the first opening questions I would want to ask is in like a sense of a personality type, do you think you'd be more of an old waiter or a younger waiter? Uh, I actually see myself as a mix of the two. But if I have to say I lean more towards one, I'd say more of the older waiter. Because I'm the type of person I usually, I usually when I'm with somebody, I'm usually the type of person that's in the background just listening. I'll put in my, I'll put in my two cents every once in a while when I'm speaking with somebody. But usually, but usually I'm kind of just in the background. If you bring me in, I'll speak. But if you don't, I'm kind of just in the background listening to everything you're saying trying to read the overall mood, trying to see how everybody is. And if and if I feel like 
And if I feel like something's going on, something like that, I may intervene. I may not. I may just back off if I feel like that's the right thing to do. But I'm kind of the casual observer, like the inside observer. Like I'm in there, but I'm not in there, in there, I guess you could yeah. say. And the older waiter especially was really selfless when it came to the old man who was sitting um, in the cafe, just wanted what was best for him in the situation, not necessarily worrying about wanting to go home like the other one did. And I would agree. I'd say I'm a mix of the two. Um, my younger waiter is usually in a negative sense, the impatientness, the just, and I can relate because I've been at work and I've been working late nights and it's, it's a struggle trying to want to get out of there, but not having the chance, you know? But I really think that the two conflicting personality types really showed something about, I guess, society as a whole, mm -hmm. and especially between the generations, kind of like how older people know more of the world and younger people are always like, kind of stereotypically on the rush, on the go, always wanting yeah. to move forward and not wanting to linger behind. Yeah, but also also saw some kind of negative things about with the old waiter because he wasn't, in my eyes, he wasn't just patient, but he kind of had like this weird, well, I wouldn't say weird, but this heavy kind of nihilistic feel to him. Yeah, because because he was patient and he was kind of involved, but the way he spoke, the way he, the words he used, it seemed like he was, he was kind of, not even above it all, but apathetic to it all, I guess yeah, you could say. Kind of detached. All, yeah, detached, because all he, all, he basically described all that he wanted in life all that he cared for in life was essentially that bar. This bar, he he basically described that bar as his little safe haven because he said he didn't like to go home. He he took, but he took care of that bar religiously. He said, "I want to keep this bar a well-lighted, restful place," and mm -hmm. and that's all it was for him. And I kind of, I kind of enjoy that mindset but I also don't feel like it's good for somebody when they're younger because especially when they're younger or not fully developed because if somebody were to take on that mindset they wouldn't really get out much I guess you could say yeah. and there's nothing wrong with not getting out at least a whole lot, but there's a certain amount of interaction that I feel people need to fully develop as a person. Because if you're stuck with your own mindset, you're stuck in an insular insular situation. You don't, you're not forced to adapt or evolve. You're just kind of there, and that leads to either leads to regression or. Uh, a real sense of isolation, which can hold, can really affect somebody's development in horrific ways, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I feel, I feel like to him, the bar 
well, not the, the cafe was really kind of a coping mechanism for him. Mm-hmm. So since he felt like his life had little to no meaning, he wanted that bar or cafe to have kind of that sense of meaning to maybe somebody else who needed it. Because mm-hmm. he says in the story that he wanted to keep it open in case somebody needed to use the cafe. And he even says like, places like bodegas and other bars like don't live up to how nice of an atmosphere he keeps the cafe and i do agree with like the fact that believing that life is meaningless can be really harmful and turning inwards can be really harmful because i've experienced that personally and it really does seem like this cafe is what keeps him going that's why it's so important to him Mm -hmm. So, so let's bring it back. When we was talking about the the younger waiter and how he, the younger waiter and the older waiter and how they interacted with the uh the drunk, the old man. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about that scene? Because when when I first saw that, I kind of, I really enjoyed the kind of interaction they had right there, because it showed like this weird. Well, I wouldn't say weird. It showed this duality between yeah, them. It's like, because the younger way to show this, I guess I call it disdain for the older man. Yeah. The older man, he's taking up my time. He's mm-hmm. he, do, he does this so often. Why he needs to come to this bar specifically, all he does is drink. He's not productive. He's just taking up time. I want to go home. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. He's in a rush. He's not empathetic to the older man, while the while as you said, the older man he and with his with his the older man is more understanding. The older man just let let the old dude have his drink. Let him let him take it easy. That's what this cafe is for. That's mm-hmm. essentially what he said. What he was saying. And he he let the old man have his drink, and he took care of the old man essentially. He said. Hey, I think you had a little bit too much to drink. I'll let you have one more, and I'm sending you on your way. Yeah, Which I really is- like, yeah, I really like that um, interaction too, because like what you said, it really showed two really opposite sides of the situation. And when the opening line that the young waiter says, like last week, he tried to commit suicide, talking about the old man. Um, it really shows that there are some people who don't understand mental health and like what other people go through they see it as if you have money if you have a place to live if you have food to eat you should be happy you know and obviously the uh deaf man wasn't happy but it that doesn't all rely on the minute the the kind of like the bigger things it's all about the smaller things in life. I feel like that's one of the main takeaways I got from this story. Yeah, because yeah, I don't think I don't think a whole lot of people really understand what happiness is, I guess, because they don't because they don't experience it in a in a I guess you could say a big way. Yeah. Or they experience or let me rephrase that. They experience it in such small such small but often ways so like just little bouts of happiness every day such as yo yeah. i won this game real quick 
but I'm not really invested in the game, but I still won. That's a little spur to happiness right there. Or, oh, I just got my paycheck. Got after working these long hours, yeah, yeah. That's a little about happiness right there. But they don't feel invested in. But they don't usually feel super invested in what they're doing. And since they don't feel invested, their happiness isn't that deep. It's what's the word? It's surface shallow. level. Shallow. It, it's surface level. Mm-hmm. They don't feel any deep happiness because they don't have any real investment in what they're doing. Because I remember probably the happiest I've ever been was out. And I know I just said this stuff about shallow happiness, but it was from it was actually from a it was from a video game. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was this it was this it was this specific raid and it was this video game that my that my uncle introduced me to introduced me to I used to play with my uncle all the time and he he, he teach me these little things these little tricks all that and he, even though he was a real heavy video game person this this video game was one he loved it was um I think it was Final Fantasy 5 they had this little um they had this little bo- boss that I, I was stuck on right because it's an RPG and I this is when I was young so I didn't really understand you know, stats and characters and stuff like that. I was just doing whatever. So I just ran back. I want to, I didn't want to ask my uncle for help with the balls. I, I wanted to do it myself, right? So I spent probably, and I'm embarrassed to say this, but I spent probably three days straight on that balls. And once and once I finally beat him and I showed my uncle, that was one of the happiest moments of my life. Because... Yeah. Cause it was fun, but I really struggled with that. Like I felt like I wanted to break. I wanted to break everything, man. At some points, I think it's easy for people to be happy when all they experience in life is the good things. Like they are in a suspended level of like contentness with their life, and it's easy to be like, "Oh yeah, my life's good. I'm happy." But it's even more important that if you have a rocky life, if you have things that happen to you frequently, or if you have like mental illness, for example, the smaller things can mean a lot more because you don't have a lot of that kind of happiness going on in your life. Not a lot of positivity, you know? So basically it's kind of the other way flipped around the happier you are in life the less your happiness is but the more kind of I guess emotionally roller coastery your life is the the more that happiness means to you the more the smaller things really get you going you know the part of my life uh, that uh was that right that my mom handed up uh passing away that was a uh, interesting part of my life i actually uh that was right before christmas right before my birthday uh it was like two weeks before my birthday december 3rd so i was out i was out of school until about a week before christmas i i kind of I, I wasn't really i wasn't really moving around at that point in my life it it, it just kind of like i was that I was like that boy in that short story read. I was um in a state of apathy because that's usually how I deal with um 
with my problems, I just, my emotions just shut down and I don't really feel anything if I'm being honest. Yeah, I kind of feel that's where the older waiter kind of was in the story. Not necessarily that he was going through something. We don't know if he was going through something, but it seemed to be like he was kind of that way, detached from everything. And it can be really hard to cope in those situations, um, especially when it comes down to like feeling like there's no other purpose in life. And it's a really hard subject to cope with. Um, but I feel like kind of that nihilistic point of view is really uh, portrayed in the story very well, especially near the end where all he's talking about is bodegas and then his cafe and how it was all meaningless. When he started talking about how everything was meaningless and I can't remember the exact word he was using. He was using the same word over and over again. Was it? What was it? It was, it was nada. It nada. was a whole lot of nada. Yeah. A whole lot of nada. That yeah. Was... And that was a playoff of like our father who art in heaven kind of like making not necessarily a joke, but kind of that ironic like he's saying it in a prayer basically. Arnada, who art nada, nada be thy name. And that was really, I felt like that really came out of left field for how the story was going, but I liked it. Like I I really felt like it really gave us insight to how he really felt about life. I feel like meaning in life is a really tricky thing to pinpoint. I think it's up to like individuals themselves to determine what exactly meaning is. Uh, whether it's you're a Christian, um, you believe in God, your goal is to get to heaven, whether your meaning in life is just to be with your family and friends and support them, whether your meaning in life is to just get a job, find a companion, whatever that is, I feel like it's important to have that kind of meaning. And when you're in that mindset that oh, nothing really matters. The small things become your meaning. So to the waiter, his meaning would be the cafe. And like for me personally in the COVID shutdown and everything, it was really hard for me to find kind of that meaning when everything was closed. I couldn't go see my friends. Um, so I took up like painting and also uh learned how to play the guitar a little bit. And those smaller things became basically my meaning in life. Yeah, I don't understand what you mean. I'm the type per I'm the type of person I can I find I don't really need to search out for meaning because I'm the type of person I'm content just I'd be content just sitting and thinking or staring at a wall for hours. That's just the type of person I am. I spend I spend time just thinking about random topics. I don't even need to speak with another person or bounce off my ideas. I'm content just having a debate with myself or just sitting reading, sitting and reading. I I've never been the type I've never been the type of I've never been able to empathize with with people that needed to do mm -hmm. a lot need to do a lot, need to interact a lot with other people to be able to enjoy themselves or find meaning. It, 
it always kind of confused me. And I had to I actually had to start reading up about things like that. Reading, that's how I started getting to reading up about um, psychology and how and how people know how people evolve naturally evolved as social creatures. So as you start getting into the biology aspect of it, how we evolved to be like that and all those things. So it's actually part of the reason why I love reading so much. Just I just pick a random thing, a random article, and I just start reading how so much useless, useless, well, I wouldn't say useless, so much random information or trip, trip, trivial information in my head from all that. I can't even. I can't even uh, remember half of it, but sometimes it comes up. Well, I think that's a really useful kind of skill to have, to just be content with yourself. I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, I personally know a lot of people who can't go a week without like having a boyfriend or a girlfriend and it's kind of sad to see how our society is kind of like declined in that way. Like we have to have some type of companionship when at the end of the day, all you have is yourself really truly. And all you, the only person you can really know is yourself. I'm beyond this. It, it also has some down, it has some downsides. Like I'm not, I'm not the best with, interacting with people I don't I don't really know how to I don't really know how I'm not really interested in a lot of stuff that a lot of other people are so I don't and I don't usually know how to broach topics I just I'm really blunt with people mm -hmm. so I don't really see the like subtle nuances people have in social situations so so if you're not upfront with me about something, I'm not gonna be able to just take the hint most of the time, unless I'm on the outside. Like if I'm able to see into see into another conversation or somebody else's interactions, I can usually pinpoint exact. I can usually pinpoint almost exactly how the conversation is gonna go or how somebody's feeling. But you put me up in that situation, I'm. I'm way behind just one-to-one -one with somebody. Yeah, I definitely see, can see you as like the old waiter type of person. The conversation that the two had was really direct and upfront. And I think both sides were really partial to that kind of conversation. It made it easier to like kind of have that upfront conversation about difficult topics such as suicide um but yeah you're right the down there are some downsides of just being within yourself I'm a really sociable person but there have been times where like stuff like social anxiety has kind of taken over and I have looked inwards towards myself and have felt that kind of I know some people that um really really get out way too much if I'm being honest they have mm -hmm. basically no sense of introspection because they just they begin in the same situations over and over again and they don't take the time to even think about 
how this may be wrong or why does this keep happening to me? You're doing you're doing basically the same thing over and over again. The only thing different is the people that you're going with. And they're basically the same as the other ones. They just look different. They don't even really act different. You're just gravitating to the same circle over and over again. You don't you don't even really talk things out. You just do. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely get that. Like I was saying with people who hop back and forth between like partners or even friend groups, those types of people, I feel like people surround themselves with a lot of things on the outside to kind of quell the things on the inside, Um, especially if a person is shallow and not, they don't want to know themselves. They want to put on kind of a performance for everyone else. Yeah, I could, I could see that. It's not always just that. It may be they, it may be they legitimately try to see something in the other person. They just can't. They just literally cannot recognize the pattern. Because I'm, I've been in a situation where I couldn't recognize, well, I couldn't recognize the pattern because I think it was when, I think it was when my, uh, my dad was uh, having me mold the, mold the lawn. He, this is the first time I molded um, without using a push mold. So he had me on a zero turn. Like I could drive it, but he wanted, he wanted the lawn mold in a specific way with the zero turn. But my dad, he, uh, he's smart, but he, he doesn't speak in a way that I usually understand. We don't speak the same way most of the time. So he told me to to make a circle around the around the house, the circle from the outside in. So I'm doing a whole circle around it with the zero turn. He come outside and say, man, you're doing it wrong. So I tried to do a little variation of that. I'm still doing the whole circle, but I cut on the inside this time. Still doing it wrong. No, what he meant was he wanted me to do a circuit. So like a, so like start at the end on the outside. Once I get to the other side, I cut in from the inside, cut by the house, and I come back, and then connect again from where I was. So I couldn't get that because he kept saying circle, circle, circle. So I'm thinking a whole circle. I gotta connect both sides when he really meant a circuit or more like an outline of the of the yard from the house. So. Yeah, so it's sometimes people say things and just doesn't go through. Yeah. That's not what they mean to say. So he said it, he said it in an extremely straightforward way but I'm I'm straightforward, but I'm also when you're telling me to do something, I'm very literal when you tell me to do something. Like you ask me a question. When you ask me a question, I'm the type to think heavily on it. So I usually won't come at you with a with a regular answer, or at least I'm gonna come at you with an extremely introspective answer. Mm-hmm. But when you tell me to do something. You best tell me 
not you just tell me exactly exactly what you mean or else i'm not gonna be able to do it because i'm tired person you tell me to do something i just do it period okay one of the other things i wanted to talk about pertaining to the story was the story kind of focuses on like atmosphere it talks about like um and i wanted to ask how you felt like maybe how atmosphere maybe affects your mood like where do you feel the happiest in terms of how a place looks i usually feel the happiest when a, i usually feel the happiest when a place is kind of down to earth like i don't like i don't mind extravagant places or anything like that but they are just not what i'm used to so they so I just feel like I gotta act a certain way in like a fancy restaurant or or like a palace or something like that. I feel like I need to act a certain way. So I'm more comfortable in a more down to place, down to earth place, like um I I don't know, I guess like uh like funny enough, a cafe. Like a cafe is just somewhere you go chill out, probably hang with a friend, get a little drink. You're just there to chill, or or even like a little a little park. No, nobody's really worried about you at a park. You're just doing your thing at a park. It's a public place, but usually nobody's bothered by what you're doing or really interested in what you're doing unless they're the nosy type. And I feel like I like being in public spaces like that. Like I really like just being in public places that are kind of like where everybody has the same kind of vibe going on because in a cafe it's it's normally quiet or it's like low volume chatting and I did my homework in a cafe one time first time I've ever like gone somewhere to do my homework and it was the most peaceful experience so I definitely love kind of like what you said down-to-earth places and I feel like being in a public setting but being by yourself like not having friends with you in a public setting is an entirely different experience in itself. So I really relate to like the older man who is sitting at the cafe because it really gives you a chance to just be with yourself, but also be in a place that's not familiar, maybe as familiar to you or be around other people who you don't know. You could just people watch, you know? I go I I do my best work whenever I have a lot of background noise. Mm-hmm. I'm I it actually makes me it makes me uncomfortable whenever I don't have some background noise or something. Like I always that's why I need even when I sleep I need some sort of noise. Like I used to actually go to sleep blasting, blasting just different kinds of music when I sleep. I, I put on a music video and I just let it play through and I'd end up waking waking up listening to the weirdest things that actually kind of, man, I should swear that kind of messed up my sense of rhythm because I haven't been able to dance right since I was about seven. <laughs> no, I, d- I definitely get that. I will, I'm always the type of person to fall asleep or do anything with background music or background noise 
I can't stand car rides with no music. I can't stand doing homework with no music. I feel like just that sense of noise in the background, it helps you not focus on all the other things in your head. Because I know for me, I definitely love to overthink at night um, when I'm trying to go to sleep. So I always put on music. But the weird thing about me is I put on the same song and I put it on repeat every night. Um, sometimes the song changes, but usually it's the same one for like a month or two. So actually, kind of, I kind of want to bring you back to um the man's, the man's um mental state when they start talking, because they never explicitly state him having any sort of nihilism or anything like that. But you know, we kind of get the feeling of that. Yeah, I, I just kind of wondered what have you ever been in that kind of mental state where you feel like there wasn't any real meaning in anything or no yeah definitely um i do struggle with mental illness um and i have a history of it and there have really been times in my life where it was hard to motivate myself to do anything because i felt like nothing really had a point anymore i'm much better now obviously but um in those times it's really hard to dig yourself out of it and like what we were talking about earlier with like the coping mechanisms and stuff and how you have to find meaning and sometimes the small little things that's kind of the only way you're gonna be able to dig yourself out of that mental state whether it's finding like family and friends and being like, okay, I am, I'm doing this for them. Like my friend wants me to go out to eat with them, might as well. Like finding that type of comfort in other people and other things, it it's a really good way to try and cope with that. And that's how I coped with it when I was struggling through that. Mm. And the only real problem I ever ran ran into or really still have is that um I've never really been a passionate person, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Not really. I've always been I've always been super level in my in my mood and my thinking for the most part. So I've never so I've rarely have I found anything I've been passionate about. I think some of the only, even now some of the only things I'm passionate about is reading. Like I got into games and stuff like that for for a minute, but even then that petered out in about a year. So I I just find I can't get myself to stick with something and really enjoy it for the most part. Probably the thing I enjoy most is discuss, just discussing with people. But I kind of feel the same way, but I I feel like I jump from interest to interest. 
dressed really quickly, like you said, but I tend to be overly passionate about things, but for a short amount of time. So because of like the class and short story writing, that's really gotten me into the kick of writing short stories. So I've been trying to like brainstorm what I'm going to be doing for the next workshop. And I've already started three different storylines. Mm. I feel like I swap from thing to thing, but I always kind of overdo it. I'm a very like emotionally attached person. Um, but as soon as I get like really attached to something, it's easy for my interest to just peter out and kind of disappear on me. And it's really sad because one day you're doing something you love and imagine the next you're just like, oh, it doesn't feel the same anymore. Yeah. And that's kind of how I was with my music for a minute because for, for a time I was really, I was really into, um I was actually really into metal music for a period of time, probably about a year or two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I've gotten heavy into metal music it was about all that i was listening to for the most part and then after yeah i'd say a year and a half i just completely lost interest for the most part like i listened to a song that i really really enjoyed every once in a while but i just got i wouldn't even say i got burnt out because I wouldn't even say I got burnt off with it. I just suddenly lost interest. Yeah. Here. Like, <laughs> I would say maybe two, three months. So going back, going back to the story, I don't think, I don't actually think, I enjoy reading the story, but I don't think I, I don't think it's something that uh, I would go back to if I were, were to have a choice. Because, because when I read the story, it was how it was written was it was I enjoyed the premise of the story, but and the way it was written worked with the concept, but the way it was written just isn't something that I really enjoy when when I'm reading the story. At least I'm not the type of person to really enjoy a straightforward story like a cut and dry story where you can kind of predict where things is going and to the to a to a T essentially, because after I read about halfway through the story, I already I could already tell basically how the story was going to go, and what the dude was probably going to end up saying, mm. and that isn't something I that isn't something I really enjoy. I enjoy a storyline where either I can get the broad strokes of where it's going, but I don't can't figure out specifically what's going to happen. Or I, or I really like or I really like convoluted storylines where you may need to read one or two or possibly even three times to really understand what's going on. And then you need to read these other books that exist in the same in the same universe, but the stories aren't connected until a later point or from a specific book. That's what I love the most. Especially since it gives me a lot of free, it gives me a lot of free, a lot of room to to um, theorize. I kind of feel like 
I have the like flip side opinion of you. I really like writing styles like this where it's like what you said straightforward and to the point but I feel like because it's so short and so straightforward it actually gives a lot more room for interpretation from the reader because it to me it gave me liberty to kind of think about the deeper meanings of the story because yeah there's a plot but what did the specific events in the plot drive towards like the theme towards the bigger picture and the story is obviously has like a overall theme of nihilism and existentialism and kind of just like that thread you get in life and I like how it wasn't like so overcomplicated it was simplistic but to maybe describe a complex topic I personally really liked that about the story I like both types just like simple but deep and meaningful but I also like complex stories that are deep and meaningful I guess I'm just a very like I said earlier emotionally attached person so I just get really into the emotionally attached type stories uh i i get what you mean like i'm because as i said the way the story was written it works for what the story was trying to do i just i just don't really subscribe to that type of writing i guess yeah and that's understandable people have different ways they like to read things i think the story could have worked either way though but I preferred it in this kind of format and it was a lot of dialogue and it wasn't very like descriptive of the dialogue and it gave me a chance to kind of like interpret it in my own way and I like how you can kind of get the feel of how a situation is in the story without even needing like the words to explain it I think that was one of the story strengths like I could feel the atmosphere I could feel the tension kind of in the conversation without him uh Hemingway having to say oh this is how he responded he responded rudely snarked at a comment you know how most stories usually go I got a question you ever read the Southern Reach trilogy no I have not you ever heard you ever heard of because I think because I th I think you kind of enjoy the storyline. It's a, so I've never read, I haven't read all of the books. I, I essentially, I'd essentially watch some, a lot of videos about the summary of the storyline and a lot of, and a few, quite a few of the plot points. But or from a lot, from what I've seen, it'd be something that we probably both be re really interested in. Because, you ever watched the movie Annihilation? I haven't. Oh, man. I guess I'm just like a very uncultured person and that type of thing. It's not about being uncultured. It's just you haven't heard of it. Yeah. Just because you haven't heard of something doesn't necessarily mean you're uncultured. I think more people haven't heard of this book series or the, or the movie than people that have. 
So it's just this a type of thing I'm interested in. But so I'm gonna try to explain the basic premise of the of the se- of the first book and the movie, I guess. So so they there's these women and they're going on an expedition into um what's called the shimmer essentially. It's this it's this in, it's this area in I forgot the space where, where it sits specifically, but it's this area that's disconnected from essentially the rest of the world. And they've been in their part of expedition that's been in this organization that's been studying that's been studying uh, the effects of this um, bordered off part of the part of the world essentially. And it's it's constantly expanding. So they get they get into there and they start documenting all the wildlife and how it's changed in there. Everything is evolved. It's essentially been changed from and is completely different from anything that be outside of the shimmer. So like they have like hybrid beings. The plants are bigger and different and all these things the animals have different features and and abilities like so they're studying this and they and they themselves start changing too it was like this genetic shifting i guess you could call it where where their DNA is being spliced with things that were already there and everything is shifting around. Hmm. It's all part of this larger plot, which you which you kind of find out in the other books. But it's this whole big thing, and there's a whole lot of, as you said, as I, I could say, existentialism and a whole lot of introspection and, and thought in the story. Hmm. And I just think it'd be something. From what, from what we've been talking about, you'd be interested in the trilogy as a whole. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a really cool kind of thing, especially when you're put in like such a different type of atmosphere. It really gets you thinking about yourself, I guess, because you don't really know what to think about the things around you. Big takeaway, waiters, life is meaningless. Make your own purpose. Be happy with the little things. Thank y'all for listening. And everyone have a beautiful day.